You're listening to episode 146 of 88 Cups of Tea with Yin Chang. Am I doing this right? <laughs> Hi, I'm your host, Yin Chang, and thanks for joining me on 88 Cups of Tea. This podcast is created to leave you feeling motivated from interviews with storytellers, where we learn how they create opportunities for a successful career without losing sight of the values that make us human. Woo, that was a really long run on sentence. What's up, storytellers? There's only a few days left to enter our contest to win some amazing prizes. The deadline to enter is this Sunday, September 30th at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that's 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Two of you will win our limited edition 88 Cups of Tea tote bag that was printed in honor of our three-year anniversary and our 88 Cups of Tea pop socket. You'll also win exactly 45 seconds of airtime to tell us about your current writing project in the introduction of Tamara Pierce's upcoming episode releasing in October. So how do you enter the contest? Just head over to 88cupsofteacom slash contest and read the directions there to collect as many points as you can for a chance to win. Again, that's 88cupsofteacom slash contest and you have till Sunday, September 30th at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to enter the contest. Good luck and have so much fun. Now on to today's conversation, we have Adrienne Finkel on the show with us. She's a photographer, writer, and producer of television. Her book, My Naked Truth, just released this week and features a visual catalog of quotes, personal confessions, and advice shared with Adrienne by friends and strangers. In today's episode, we dive into the origin story of My Naked Truth and how it came to fruition. We also discuss her career as a producer for Funny or Die and what her day-to-day looks like. We touch on pitch meetings and how to best prepare, along with the common qualities that make writers stand out during meetings and pitches. This is an absolute must-listen for storytellers who are curious about human stories and the television world. Now let's jump right in. Hey everyone, how are you? I am really excited because I have my dear friend Adrian Finkel with us today on the show. Adrian, how are you? I'm great. It's so great to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. Okay, we have Adrian on the podcast because uh, she's gone through a really exciting journey and she has her book, My Naked Truth. And I would love if you could share how it came to fruition. Sure. My Naked Truth is now a book, and it was once a blog that I started in 2011 that really just kind of happened on a whim. I've always been a collector of words and quotes and sayings. Ever since I was a kid, I just kind of would hear a song lyric and write it down or hear a quote from a poem in class and put it all in this notebook that kind of became what I turned to when I was in need of inspiration or when I was feeling lost, or even when I was bored, it was kind of like my own little personal scripture that I I started to live by. And as time went by, I still continued to just be obsessed with words and quotes as I got older and older. Um, When I was a teenager, I would write them on on my shoe and write, you know, words that I loved on my hands and arms and um, with my marker in class. That's what I decided to do with my time. So it's always been you know, just kind of something that's lingered for me. And when I was in my 20s, I was living in LA, um, had just pursued being an actor, which wasn't going the way I wanted to. I actually was working, but I, I, I wasn't really happy. And I just really felt lost and that I, I almost felt like I had hit a wall and I really didn't know what was next. 
So I started taking photography classes and I didn't really know why or what I would use it for, but I knew that I liked taking pictures. What ended up happening was I, I at the same time, was looking through my, my little hodgepodge of, of quotes and sayings to try to find some inspiration. And I just felt like all of these quotes were meaningless now. I mean, I th- they got me through what I needed them to get me through, but I had kind of reached a point where like I needed new advice, I needed new words. And so I just kind of put a post up on Facebook and said, hey, everybody, I'm looking for any words of inspiration you might be able to offer or any piece of advice that was given to you, or if you have like something you want to share that is about your journey and being lost, I would love to hear it. And before I knew it, you know, people were reaching, so many people were reaching out to me and then they became conversations at my house that turned into a photo shoot where I kind of snapshot the words that we chose that kind of meant the most to us during our conversation. Um, and that's kind of, I started posting them and people would share and then someone would write me and say, Hey, I want to do that. I want to share. And, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. And, and now five years have gone by and I have about 400, uh, photos of people from all walks of life, friends, family, strangers, bosses, coworkers, cousins, uh, you know, it really runs the gamut and it's been such a treat to be inspired by everyone I know and everyone they know. You know what really stood out to me about your project? And this is me talking as your friend. I love that this was your constant throughout those years of you finding yourself and just finding your place in this world. Us being in our early 30s, it's scary because, um, you know, there's all these expectations from society, from our parents, from grandparents who are like, well, at this age, I did this, this and this. That's something I hear often. And I I remember having conversations with you and Moon and talking about how it's like, okay, where are we at our life right now? Is this where we want to be? And it it can get scary and people can feel lost. You know, I honestly sometimes feel like that, but I'm grateful for 88 cups of tea being my anchor as I'm still kind of navigating, you know, and I feel like the same exact thing is for you with My Naked Truth is that it's been your anchor and it's been that, that rock. So to have that is just incredible just to see this come to fruition and you saying the amount of stories you've collected all through those years. Like, that's just insane to me. Yeah. So you, this is your baby. You, you, it's a five-year-old right now, you know? No, it really is. And I do think that something that's huge for me and something that I try to pass on is just why do we have to be one thing? Why does my naked truth have to be the only thing that I care about in my life? Yes. I can be many things at once. And I think something happens when we're in high school and college. You're asked the question, who are you? What do you do? What's interesting about you that you can turn into a job? And those are valid questions. But some things are just hobbies and they don't have to be jobs and they can just be for fun. And that's what this was. And because I didn't ask for money and because I just did it for myself, strangely, it's been the most fruitful and been the least stressful. Even photography has been, I've really kept it as a hobby and not a job, which has made it be a joyous part of my life that doesn't cause me stress. And when you attach money and you attach, you know, having to pay your bills to something you're passionate about, it gets really tough. So aside from this project, I have my whole life and all of my hobbies and a full-time job that I love that I found over the course of talking and asking people what matters to them and 
the second you start a conversation with someone, you're always self-reflecting. You're always learning if you keep an open ear and an open mind. And I think everyone that I met motivated me to understand that I'm never alone. I'm never as lost as I think I am. And I'm not the only one in the world who doesn't know what they want or what they have to do with their life. And I'm sitting here in a job that I love. I'm a producer for a great production company. I have never felt more satisfied, but I still go home at night and wonder, is this really it? How many years will I be doing this? Because we don't know. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have these wonderful constants in our life to keep us happy in so many aspects. And also, I'm along for the ride. I love where I'm at now. And as long as I love where I'm at, that's what matters. I love that you also highlighted the whole multi-hyphenate. Why can't we just love what we do and just actually enjoy a passion without trying to turn it into like this money-making machine? We're talking about multi-hyphenates. I do want to get more into your job and I would love for the listeners to hear what a badass you are. (laughs) I know you got your job, which I'm so proud of you for. Can you give the listeners a little bit more of a glimpse as in like your day-to-day? Could we get into that? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's kind of a great, I've been trying to really focus on the book when I have been interviewed, but with you and the conversations you're having with this podcast, it's such a perfect place to talk about being creative in so many different ways. I do a lot of things before when I quit acting class or acting in general, I I was also working, but I um, decided to go to cooking school, which didn't like pan out the way that I thought I didn't like it. I I knew that this wasn't for me. And it was another panic attack I decided to have while I was in the process. But it led me to a cooking job where I was working in a management office that represented comedians and actors and writers. After three years of being in the kitchen, I got to know everyone there and they could see something in me and knew that I needed to be more creative than just making coffee and breakfast in that capacity. So I kind of let their interest guide me a little bit. And I ended up getting a job working for The Lonely Island, which is Andy Samberg, Yorma Chaconi, and Akiva Schaefer. And they had just left Saturday Night Live. And they moved to LA and needed a PA. So I just took the job, had no idea where it would lead me. What's really great about them is when they interviewed me, they asked me about myself. And I was like, well, I love to bake cakes and cookies. And I have this project called, at the time it was called Words with Friends, which is now my naked truth. And I showed them the pictures and they could have easily been like, this girl's not motivated to be in production. You know, she obviously doesn't know what she wants. Instead, they thought I was interesting. So that made it worth their while to have me around. And so they really took me on in such a loving capacity to teach me what they know and also let me teach them what I know and create more of a creative friendship and a working relationship. So over time, I ended up just learning about everything they did. I was obsessed. I didn't even know it was called producing. I just knew I was ordering cameras and and paying a lighting guy and getting costumes in order and doing set deck for their little projects. And as time went on, I ended up being able to hone in and realize like, this is producing. I think this is what makes me the happiest. I love being around comedians. I love laughing with these people all day long. And thanks to them, I've been able to grow and grow. And now I am a development executive now at Funny or Die, which is Will Ferrell's company. But I was a development executive for the Lonely Islands company. Uh, They had a deal at Fox for them. So I just left them after five years, just ready for something new. And I'm really happy to be in this position here at Funny or Die. 
So badass. Okay. What is your like Monday through Friday? Cause I know not every day is the same. I mean, yeah. it's the entertainment industry. And like you were just explaining to the listeners where, uh, what you did with lonely Island, you were doing different things from like ordering the camera, doing all the set yeah. decks, all of that. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's like even more stuff that you have to do. Cause you've worked your ass off. And I know mm-hmm. this because you and I have caught up multiple times while I was living in LA and, uh, listeners interjecting here. Um, Adrian is one of the most hardworking people I've ever met. I'm so inspired by Adrian, her, just who she is, how she sees the world. And whenever she sees an opportunity, she goes for it. She seizes the opportunity right then and there. And she shows up like she has the goods to back it up. And also talking about goods, she's also an incredible baker. So just <laughs> FYI, um, but yes. So jumping back in, yeah. if you can just give listeners who are most of them are writers. So a lot of them don't have an idea of what producers or like someone in your world and your position does. So any glimpse would be amazing. Sure. So what's great now is that I don't have to do too much ordering of the cameras. It's more high (laughs) line producer. I'm in the development side of things over here in the half hour comedy space. So we're selling premium half hour television to big networks and streaming networks as well. Funny or Die used to not do that, but now we've taken a big turn and and we're focused on television. So my job when I was brought in is to focus on the development side of things, which is to read scripts and, and meet writers and, you know, use my taste and my best judgment to bring in projects that I think could sell to series at a network. A huge part of my job is just knowing who people are. I still want to get to know more and more writers. I try to see stand-up at night to get to know that world and see if there's any any stories there that really pique my interest that I would want to maybe elaborate on, just meet those people. And then I'm reading scripts pretty much every single day and having meetings with representation agents and managers, getting to know who their clients are and reading what they send me. And then once I, I find something exciting, I kind of have to you know, haul it up the pipeline here and vouch for it and tell my boss about it and explain why these people are so great. Sometimes that takes a little bit of development on my end, just making sure they're ready to go speak to my boss even if need be. And then if let's say he wants to develop it, we can go out and we pitch it. And if we sell it to a network, I'm there from start to finish. Oh my God. So you're pitching as well. Yes, I'm pitching as well. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I just imagine that to be so nerve wracking. Like I've never pitched anything to like any network. And I think just hearing the stories from friends who are TV writers or just filmmakers, I'm like sweating for them and I don't sweat. So it's just like, I get, you know, funny or die. And something I'm really learning at this job is, you know, for writers to really understand is a well-rehearsed pitch makes everything easier. It makes it easier on the person going into pitch. It makes it easier for the person listening I think, you know, at my other job, we'd love something and be like, all right, let's pitch it. We set the dates and we go here. We basically have something that we call pitch school, where the week before we pitch, no matter who we're pitching with, experienced writer or non-experienced writer, we are rehearsing. We are writing basically a script for what we're going to say. So no one has to have on top of their nerves a feeling of how am I going to deliver this? You know how. We've listened. We've had test audiences. We practice. We've edited words to make sure they're the exact words you want to say. And then we, me and my boss, are the support for the room. So if anyone is ever at a loss or feeling really nervous, I'm always happy to chime in because I know exactly what they're going to say because we rehearsed it five times. <laughs> yes. So I think, you know, 
preparation is so key. And even when people come in here and say, you know, I have an idea, sometimes it's fun to kind of shoot it around and try to flesh things out in the room. But typically, that sounds like a lot of work for us. So really doing the work, which is annoying. I mean, I can be even like, oh, I have a great idea, and then I don't do the work. But the payoff is exactly the payoff you're going to get when you don't flesh it out. The first question I'm going to ask a writer if they have an idea is like, well, what would the season look like? Or why is this pilot starting now? Why is this day important? Why are we chiming in right this moment? And a lot of people don't have those answers because you have a really good idea that you want to share. But everything takes so much time here that why rush it? Why don't you sit down, get into a place where you can answer any question and blow everyone away in a room? This is so fascinating to me. Seriously, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just feel like I was like glimpsing into like the wardrobe into Narnia or something. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. Okay. So I know you mentioned that you guys have those test groups to know like kind of like the formula of how to rehearse these and just to make it good. So was that something that you already picked up from your previous job with the boys or was that something that you had to learn while picking up working at your new job at Funny or Die? I had to learn it here. I mean, it it wasn't even, it was just a beautiful thing to watch someone practice a pitch and then get, say, okay, we're going to grab five people from the office to come sit in here or two people from the office to come sit in here and they'll give you some thoughts. I think it's just so smart. I mean, why not have your friends listen to your pitch? I think we all have to be a little less embarrassed about what we do and what we're striving for because a lot of people don't have people hear or listen in because sometimes we don't trust our friends to, to not relay what we're saying in the room that's private or we are embarrassed. Pitching can be embarrassing. You're not, you're talking in a different way than you normally talk. Sometimes you're a little bit less yourself. But what's so great is having someone who knows you going like, you can relax while you say that because that is totally you. Don't forget that like this is about you and your story. It's so nice to hear someone else look at you while you're talking and give actual feedback before you have to go do it for people who don't know you at all. I understand why a lot of people don't have test audiences for pitches, but I think it's really special and I think it can only relax you more. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a technical question here for the listeners who are, again, writers. I noticed are a lot more shy, especially if they're the ones with all eyes on them. Totally. So what is any advice that you can generously share with them from what you've observed, just being that person to shepherd your writers in? I'm coming at it from an actor's point of view, and I'm wondering, are you supposed to up the ante and add a little bit of a performance level, or no? Is that too over the top and like comes off inauthentic? I think it depends on who you are and who you're meeting with. Like, I'm happy to meet with someone who's shy. If their idea is good, who cares if they're shy? They don't True. have to be in it. We need them to write a really good script. You know, if, if the idea is solid, there's not much else that you need to worry about. I mean, it... it I think that's the most important, but I also have had other executives walk in my office and be like, woof, that meeting was tough. That person hardly spoke. Like, you know, at the end of the day, this is a social business. You want to show that you're someone that, you know, an executive is going to want to spend a crap load of time with. I think most people in this business are pretty sociable. I can understand shy or like nervous. I actually am a pretty nervous speaker as well. I get shaky. And what's so funny is, You know, something I always just try to think about, and especially now being on the other side of the camera, watching people audition and sitting in casting rooms where I'm just the producer, I used to literally be visibly shaking when I would audition. And to me, on the other side, I'm like eating my Trader Joe's cookies, just, (laughs) you know, like at the end of the day, we're all there to support. No one's there to not find what they're looking for. 
we're also just people. We're all typically around the same age. You know, it's just, it's, it's our ideas in our heads and our envision, you know, the way we envision the people in those rooms and we give everybody so much power when really, first of all, the people in those rooms typically can't even make the final decision. The network does. We're just the people rooting for what we liked. And if you're not right for the role, you're not right for the role. So, you know, it's the same thing for a pitch. If it's not right for our company, it's not right for our company. So why not just like sit in your chair? You know, I always try to like relax my body when I'm, when I'm nervous, like come into a room and kind of pretend, imagine I'm talking to my best friend. And you know, that's a tactic that I use, which is like, you know, when I know I'm kind of, I sound funny where I'll just like breathe again, like relax into my chair, pretend that I don't care. Like, Hey, what's up guys? When I couldn't be more nervous, it just kind of settles me in to be like, Oh, right. These people will relax with me. Um, and I say, like, don't change your personality too much. Be you. You definitely want to always ask questions. If Just have conversation. Just have conversation. Half of these meetings are just getting to know you. And that's where the fun is for us. If you have, if you're really bad at having conversation, you're probably not a writer. And uh, also, if you are, then maybe it's worth looking into, like, you know, getting some help to, to practice just casual conversation and how are yous and you know, what do you do here? What do you like about your job? You could ask anything. I, I love, I end up talking about cakes and movies and actors I love, you know, when I'm sitting down with someone, because it's really just, a, it's, it's like having a cup of coffee. Okay. I'm going to narrow this question in a little yeah. bit more. Just, this is all coming from what you've been sharing, uh, just from your observations and just your own perspective experience, or even observing what the network, uh, like whatever you see their eyes lighting up with, or when your eyes light up, when someone walks in a room, whether it's a writer or an actor, what do you notice is the common thread? I do think it's a charisma. I mean, I think it, there's a few things. I do think it's a charisma and being energetic, locking eyes with someone, being excited to be there, seeming relaxed, which I know is very hard. It just relaxes everybody in the room and gets them excited to hear. They're like, oh, wow, this is going to be such an easy hour because this person seems like I want to hang out with them. Um, you know, being happy, not taking your day with you, not complaining. Um, and typically as for, you know, I think it's just joy. Like, we are getting to have a lot of fun, but a lot of times this doesn't seem very fun because it's so incredibly stressful. And if you can find some joy and remind yourself before you walk into a room how exciting this is and how fun this is, um, I think people can read it and feel it. And, you know, I am lucky enough to literally have gone to a conservatory, so I know how to to, to put it on. But typically the writers that we work with haven't when they're excited, they're excited. And, or a lot of times, you know, you can also find someone who might have some charisma that you want to work with and have them do all the talking. So you can just kind of add in little things here and there and create a dream team. But as for, you know, what really captivates us is someone excited, someone on their voice, ready to talk, someone with something strong to share. And that's really it. As for networks, I couldn't tell you what they want. They me at every turn. I'm so incredibly confused about what networks want, and I think everybody is. So just right here at my company, try really hard to just go with our gut, 
see if all the pieces work together. A lot of times it, it comes with packaging. Uh, you know, you definitely want to be open to packaging if you're a writer and, and you've never even been in a room, but you have a really good idea that could truly be a show. There's not a world where we're not going to go out and sell this with at least someone attached who has written four or five shows. It's just the way it works. It's a little bit like just be thrilled that you are about to possibly make a lot of money with an idea that's yours mm. and, and kind of get over yourself in the fact that you just want it to be yours because it takes a village. And so, you know, we all want obviously to be the one that gets the credit, but you will trust that you, if you're working with great people, you will always get the credit. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. I love that because there's a lot of times we hear about how, um, okay, writers have to be careful. Ideas will be stolen, but that's like the worst of the worst. Right. And then people like put it up as a poster and it scares the shit out of most of us. So yeah. I, I love that you mentioned, just have faith. The community yeah. will show up. If you show up at your best, they will show up at their best and they will yeah. have your back. People that you trust and love, you know, like yeah. if, you have, if you have a friend that you think could steal your ideas, that's something to think about. We're all pretty fragile. We're all so creative and we are all just trying our best. And there's room for everybody at the table. And that's something that Hollywood has a really hard time with. I've struggled with it, especially as a woman. I look incredibly young. I think people don't sometimes want to make room for me at the table, but mm. I know that I need to be around the people that want to. What's so great about this company is that I really feel like they're making room for me and they're also supporting, you know, all my other endeavors and wishing me well every day. And that's a huge part of just general happiness and success, I believe. I know it's been most of like a boys club because there's so very few women who are welcome to the table. It sounds like where you're at right now sounds really healthy and really welcoming. So what do you think they're doing differently in your company in like setting the culture that you hope that other people can kind of follow suit? You know, I think it, it really comes from the top. Like, I think a lot of businesses are still really struggling uh, to create healthy environments because they are all run by older white men. Mm -hmm. I Our business is run by a, a younger white man <laughs> mm -hmm. um, who at least is very worldly and open and interested and has hired an incredible team of people who have the same ideas. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, this is a perfect environment. I think there's a lot of work to be done in diversity and, um, you know, but at the same time, hiring women is incredibly important, giving women the room to speak, hiring diverse. My biggest issue in general is diversity in, in companies, which I just see everywhere. This is my take, which is assistance in Hollywood make absolutely nothing. So if you want to be an assistant in Hollywood, you have to come from money. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it only guarantees success to the 1% of people. So that's why things are just constantly screwed up because we're only getting the same kind of person who is someone with a, a wealthy parent. So we have to fix that problem. I don't know how. I know nothing about money in business, but it has to do with paying assistance enough to pay their bills completely. So anyone can have the opportunity to have these jobs. Absolutely. That's something that they talk about in the writing publishing industry too, that they also mentioned spot on. You all are on the same page where yes, in the writing industry, in the publishing industry, we're always talking about pushing for minorities, for more diversity. And you know, it's starting to sound like people are becoming more aware and I hope people will continue to be committed to taking these steps. Um, and there was an article and I feel like you 
might be a good person to talk to you about this or just run through with you that they were saying like, what do you do during a meeting, like a huge meeting or like even a pitch where if a woman is in the meeting and all the men are just like together, but the woman feels very much either attacked or not heard. So this article mentioned, oh, okay, what, what you guys can do is at least one of you take a stance with that woman. The person who has the upper hand, like a white old man, especially if he steps up and says, you know what? I like what she had to say. Say it again. Like, yes, I right. loved what she said. And like, say her name. Right. Um, and repeating yes. what women say, even if it, we should make a conscious effort to constantly repeat what a woman says, if it's not, if it seems to be kind of skimmed over in a room, yes. and you always say, oh, I like, yeah, exactly. And like what Julie said. Yes. And give her credit, that, her name. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we, we should constantly repeat each other, support each other. I've been in rooms where women are also just like every man for themselves because there's only so much room at the top. And so there's a problem amongst women and each other Yes, uh, that we have as well. And, you know, it just starts with you. All we can do is know, is go to sleep at night knowing we did the right thing, which is support women repeat what they say, stand up for someone. You're not going to get fired because, you know, a woman is being harassed in a room and you didn't say anything. People will be annoyed maybe if you call them out, but you will never get fired for that. And we need to all start kind of being a little gutsier and knowing that we are worth our place in the room. So, you know, you're not going to lose your job from calling someone out and just saying, can you not do that? Or, you know what, I really liked what she said and I don't think you need to be saying those words to her in that way. You know, it's scary, but it's a scary time. And I think we all have to just be a little braver. Yes, I love that, Adrian. You're amazing. Okay, I'm going to loop this back now to my naked yeah. truth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your book. Okay, let me know what was one of your favorite photos and like if there was a beautiful story that moved you behind the quote that uh, either your friends or random strangers chose that specific quote. Was there any that really stood out to you and you're like, oh, wow. You know, as we talk about this, I think there's one that really stands out for me in the conversation that we're having. I worked with a woman who really taught me everything I know about producing. We worked on like a $35 million movie together. She was my age, but she was a little bit higher up in the food chain from me. And she kind of taught me exactly how things work. And she was so supportive and became a real mentor for me. And I never was able to put a finger on what I wanted to do with my life until I saw her on set. And I thought, that's the girl. That's the job I want. And as the more and more I got to know her, the even though she seemed so incredibly powerful and amazing at her job, she really felt stepped on a lot and she really felt unheard. She wasn't given the title bumps that she needed at work. And it's really a boys club where she works. So her struggle was constant and daily and really, really was getting her down. It was such a bummer to know that. She was brave enough to come and be a part of this project. And the words she chose were, I am enough. And she tells herself that every day at work, and it's a personal mantra, and a personal mantra we all should have, and something in this business that we need to tell ourselves a lot more. And that just really resonated with me. And it's something I try to tell myself almost every day. And I'm excited that it's in the book for people to also think about those words. 
Oh my God, Adrian! I'm so you know I got goosebumps when you were telling me that. I know I got teary eyed. It's it's a thing here. It's something we all really need to get better at is loving ourselves and being proud of ourselves. Yes. Okay. Are you feeling comfortable in sharing a little bit about your quote that you chose? Uh, yes. <laughs> You're like, hmm, let me think about yeah. it. <laughs> I actually, there's a little blurb in the book also. So so the book is filled with pictures. And then about every fifth or sixth picture, there's a, someone explains their words. Yes. So you'll see in the book for this quote that I chose, um, I explain it. Um, and it's so funny because I took that picture about a year ago in a very different time in my life when I was feeling incredibly insecure And I probably wouldn't have chose those words now, but I'm really glad that I captured a moment in my life where this was what was my concern was. But I wrote, you can't Photoshop personality. And the reason that I chose those words is because I had kind of gone down the rabbit hole of Instagram at the time and kind of became obsessed with what people were doing and what they were wearing. And I was starting to feel a lot of jealousy of women. It's so funny, you know, Mostly women are looking at other women on Instagram, which you wouldn't really think, but but that's what's happening. And we're, we're comparing our lives. We're going, oh, she got married, or oh my gosh, she always has the best outfits, or oh, she travels so much, or I don't even know this girl, but at, look at her picture. Her life is so perfect, or she's so beautiful. And, you know, I, I would always kind of look at the girls. This is like real talk. Like, look at the girls that, you know, my current boyfriend or guy I was dating had dated or was talking to and they were always so different from me and so then all of a sudden it kind of created a whole image problem I was having which was you know I don't have an, you know big, big boobs I don't have the right butt I don't have all of these curves that that you know all these women have and I was really beating myself up and what's so funny is that these are just pictures <laughs> and I have no idea who these people are And I have no idea what their lives are like. So, you know, at the end of the day, you can have a beautiful picture, but who you are is what matters. And so that's why I chose You Can't Photoshop Personality. And what's so cool about My Naked Truth is that we get to post a picture that is not only beautiful and raw, but also shares something about our inner selves. So when someone goes to your Instagram page and looks for pictures of you, they're going to learn a tidbit about you that makes you a lot more human and it's going to make them feel a lot more connected to you as a person. And I love social media. It's super, super exciting. And I think that this is a really cool way to use it. When you're sharing all of that, I was tearing up because (laughs) I think just knowing even another layer underneath that, just from all the catch-ups that we've had is just Mm -hmm. hearing how much you've gone through and how strong you are. It just got me so teary eyed and how inspiring you are. I really like, I'm, I'm just so happy for you, Adrian. Seriously. Like this project is so moving and so important. And there's something about you. I do want to jump in and say as well that you make people feel really comfortable. Like I am not comfortable being naked. Like I don't know what it is, but I've 
never I've had a, like an issue with the whole naked thing since I was like younger. And also these photos are incredibly non-sexual. Yes, uh, they're so, so comfortable you know. and they're so real. And that's the thing, like as soon as Moon and I walked into your home in LA to do this shoot, I was nervous before. I'll, I'll yeah. be honest, that's straight up. I'm like, oh my <laughs> Lord. Like, you come here and take off your shirt so I can take pictures of you with some words on them. Came though, that's first of all, you should be very proud that you were just like, we don't really know what she's talking about because I, I mean, I think you knew that the project existed, but I, I really called you in last minute and you drove straight to my house. So I was really, really excited. Aww. You know what's so funny is I'm actually not incredibly comfortable with nakedness either. I really a naked kid. I never got naked in front of my friends. I actually have never been naked in front of my friends until literally, I think last year, I went to a Korean day spot and I like, basically like blacked out from thinking about how I got clothes off. So I, you know, I'm not some like hippy dippy person. I just wanted to take these pictures on bare skin. So I was with friends and it turned into what happened was it was like, oh, well maybe you could do a tank top. Okay. Well, no, the straps look weird in the picture. I really mm. just want skin. And then, you know, it took a friend to go, well, why don't I just take my top off and I'll cover my breasts. And I'm like, okay, okay well, that's, that's what you want to do, you know? And, and it turned into another person going, well, I, I, I could probably, I could, I could do that. And what's funny is, is I think people are, it's exciting. And it's something, yeah. you know, it's, we are just bodies and America treats bodies like they're not to be shared. Yes. And that it's all very sexualized. And it does feel free to walk around the house with no shirt on. And it does feel free to just be you without a t-shirt or a bra on and if that's what you want to do like you can come do it in my project and if you want to wear a tank top wear a tank top but most people come saying oh well I'm just gonna wear I'm gonna wear a tank top or a bra and about 30 minutes in they're like you know I, th I think I could take my top off and I'm like whatever you want to do live your life and you know it's a really exhilarating moment for people because I'm not telling them to do it they <laughs> yes. they want to they're intrigued and and a lot of the reason that's why they came to to kind of push their own boundaries yes and also but don't don't forget give yourself some credit too because you allowed people to feel comfortable to push their own boundaries honestly like that's how i felt comfortable because of you so if it were anybody else trust girl that shirt would not have come off i'll tell you that much you know what i feel the same exact way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh adrian i love this so much um you're amazing uh why don't we wrap it up with one more big question which is what are you most excited about right now? I am most excited about so many things, but I'm mostly excited that the book is coming out <laughs> today. <laughs> you can already pre-order it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and it's going to be in bookstores all over the country. I also am going to be doing signing events at a few bookstores in New York City and Los Angeles and probably Phoenix, because that's where I'm from. Um, so that's about to all happen, which is very, very exciting. And then I'm also excited about my job and excited about continuing to bake and be with my friends. And I have an incredible boyfriend for the first time. I'm so happy. Oh my gosh. So I'm excited about so many things and I'm really trying to be present and enjoy it all. Oh my God. I'm so happy for you, Adrian. Can you let the listeners know in New York, where can they stop by to join for your, your, one of your launches um, for uh, the book? Yes. So there's going to be a place called Powerhouse Arena in Dumbo. It's a bookstore. Ooh. Okay. Um, I like Brooklyn. Yes. And uh, so we'll be doing a signing and probably some sort of drinks and, and hang after. Amazing. Um, and I will be posting and sharing all of the information for that on My Naked Truth's Instagram, which is My Naked Truth Project. 
And then we will also be doing something at the Strand, I think. Nice. And there's going to be more and more things popping up. I'm trying to get an event. Sorry about that noise. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to get an event to happen at the Wing as well. Oh, Um, nice. Yes. So I will continue to keep everybody posted on social media. Yes, for sure. And there are there any other links that you would love to share as well? Because I know you're a woman of many, many talents. <laughs> you can also check out the website, which is mynakedtruthproject.com. Or you can also check out my baking Instagram, mm-hmm. which is I am sweet AF. Yeah, you are. My initials. And you can also check out my life because I'm incredibly open and sharing all the time at A-D-E-F-I-N-K. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Adrian, I am so proud of you. Listeners listening in, Adrian, again, is a wonderful friend. I met out in LA through mutual friends. I'm grateful to have her in my life. She was so kind to reach out to me and Moonlin and invite us to have fi- pictures done for her book to be included. So please, if you love coffee table books, this is the perfect one. It's inspiring. It's moving. Uh, and I'm a huge lover and fan and obsessed with quotes as well, like Adrian is. And this book, I'm going to buy a couple for family and friends as well. So listeners, yeah. please grab a copy for yourself. It's very soul filling and heart filling and you will not regret it. And you'll also get to see me and Moon in there. And yes. you're also supporting my friend. And that wraps up our episode with Adrian Finkel. Adrian, you are awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And I loved talking about your book. I can't believe it. You have a book and I'm so excited about it. And also thank you so much for that really awesome and unexpected conversation about TV and the TV world and you as a producer. I loved that conversation so much. Storytellers, thank you so much for hanging out and listening in. As always, please say hi to Adrian on Instagram at My Naked Truth Project. To access Adrian's show notes page, head over to 88cupsofteacom slash podcast slash Adrian dash Finkel. Don't forget you get the chance to win our limited edition 88 Cups of Tea tote bag that was printed for our three-year anniversary and our 88 Cups of Tea pop socket. And the prize also comes with exactly 45 seconds of airtime to talk about your current writing project in the intro of Tamara Pierce's upcoming episode releasing in October. The deadline to enter this contest is at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, September 30th. So you have a few days left to enter for your chance to win. And I'll be selecting two winners for this contest. For all the directions, head to 88cupsofteacom slash contest. Good luck and have so much fun. Have a wonderful and super productive rest of your week and I'll catch you next Thursday. Hey guys, it's me again. Thanks so much for listening in on 88 Cups of Tea. Go create something magical today and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.